Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm Austin Meek of Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. My guest today is John Bible, CEO and Executive Director of the Syntex African American Chamber of Commerce. John talks about creating business opportunities in black neighborhoods and how the organization has changed under his leadership. But first, it's the word on the street. Our friends from the drama department have joined us today. Braden Brazil and Ethan Truman from Silent House Theater Company are now in studio. You guys have an upcoming production of The Crucible. Can you yes. tell us a little bit about it? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this this month we are bringing Arthur Miller's The Crucible to Mission Waco's Jubilee Theater. Um, and it has been quite the process. We've worked with about 30 people on stage. And uh, it's our biggest show so far. And we've got to work with uh, people of all ages. Our youngest cast member is 12, and we've got people in their in their late 60s, early 70s hitting the stage. So it's a it's a variety of people, a variety of uh, people from different backgrounds of theater, and we are just so excited to bring it. You guys are going to be putting on productions of The Crucible over Memorial Day weekend, May 27th through 29th, and also June 3rd and 5th. Right. Ethan, you play the role of John Proctor. That's right. In The Crucible. What is his motivation and what drew you to this role? John Proctor is a very complicated man. He's what I would call a tragic hero, at least in literature. Uh, He's just like any other man who wants to live his life peacefully with his family and not have too many problems happen. But unfortunately, like all of us, he makes a terrible decision. And now he's has to he has to live with the consequences of that. Even though he tries to remedy everything, everything kind of falls apart and leads to the awful events of this play. Um, and Braden, you play his counterpart, Elizabeth Proctor, I the do. wife. Yes, I do. Um, I think especially last night we had a rehearsal last night that went really well. I thought. Hmm. Um, and we've kind of discovered that although these characters are hundreds of years old, we're talking about 1692, husband and wife ha- is, is eternal. The problem is oh, that definitely. A, yeah, husbands and wives have the same issues they have now they've had in 1692 mm. and uh, issues with passive aggressive uh, behavior and issues of being married for so long that, you know, the wandering eye happens and um, you lose the... You lose the love at first sight and the lust. And um, so watching John and Elizabeth's journey to find that again through tragic circumstances has been has been amazing. It's mm. been such a, uh, a challenge as an actress. And these tragic circumstances of the historic event mm. of the Salem witch trials still have ramifications today. And in fact, tomorrow night at Fabled mm-hmm. Bookshop downtown, you guys have a family member from someone who is involved with the Salem Witch Trials. Tell us what to expect. Yeah. So tomorrow, we are so excited about this event. We found out, when I found out about this connection, um, I just had to jump on it because it was such a good good promotional piece and just very interesting, too. Tomorrow night at Fabled, uh, Kathleen Kent, who is a direct descendant of Martha Carrier, who is not, unfortunately, she's unfortunately not 
a character in The Crucible, but she was a real live person uh, who was accused of being a witch in Salem and was hanged the same day as John Proctor, historically. And um, she was actually considered the queen of hell because she refused to back down. When they would question her about being a witch, she would answer with questions too. She was not afraid of the court and um, they considered her the queen of hell because of it. So Kathleen will be coming to speak on her behalf and discuss her ancestry and discuss the book that she wrote about Martha Carrier called The Heretic's Daughter, which I've read and it's fantastic. We will also be doing um, a dramatic reading in costume. So several of our characters will be there, including myself and Ethan. I will. Um, And we will be reading a, a a pretty iconic scene from The Crucible uh, tomorrow night. So please come out if you can. That's tomorrow night at Fabled Bookshop starting at 6 p.m. Thank you so much (laughs) for coming on Downtown Depot and sharing some of this information about The Crucible upcoming and tomorrow night's event at Fabled. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm now joined in studio by John Bible, the CEO and executive director of the Central Texas African American Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to Downtown Depot. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have me. So how'd you end up in Waco? Uh, Believe it or not, I am a homegrown Waco boy. I've been in Waco all my life. Uh, Went to school, university, high school, graduate. Uh, Went to MCC for a couple of years, transferred. Uh, didn't go anywhere. I stayed here and went to Baylor, finished up with a BA in finance. Uh, fortunately, I had the opportunity to work uh, in the finance uh, field. And so been doing financial advising for 20 years, uh, uh, roughly about 20 years. Uh, been with the African-American Chamber of Commerce since 2008. You know, being a financial advisor, you want to make sure that you are part of the community, wouldn't really understand how much uh, uh, the community I was going to be involved in as a financial advisor, but being with the chamber helped expose me to a lot of different uh, things that were going on within uh, the Waco community. And so uh, from there, I uh, became the treasurer for the board. Next thing you know, I'm the chairman. And uh, 2019, here I am, executive director, CEO, president of the African American Chamber of Commerce. So I uh, didn't have to go anywhere, family oriented. Uh, church here. So it's the, it was just the perfect thing. So really blessed, really blessed. Did you think earlier in your life that you needed to leave Waco in order to learn something to bring it back here? Or were you always pretty focused on, I want to stay here intentionally? It wasn't just something that fell into place. Well, you know, leaving high school, it was always the, the notion of people would say there was better opportunities elsewhere. Uh, all my friends, they went to Houston, they went to Dallas area, uh, but I end up staying. I end Can up you give staying. our listeners an idea of when this is? So this is around the mid-90s. Uh, opportunities were, were were scarce here in, in Waco, and that was the thing that they would tell you. You graduate high school, like if you really want the job of your dreams, you're probably going to have to go outside of Waco to do it. Um like I said, I was more family-oriented. I wanted to stay near family. And so we all know that MCC is one of the best colleges, you know, uh, that you could go to to start out your uh, secondary uh, post-years. And so 
uh, went there for a couple of years, learned so much about myself and about what it is to be uh, a college student and then transferred to Baylor. And, and Baylor is just such a great, you know, great school for our community and finished there. And so uh, those opportunities came, uh, fortunately for me, afterwards. But uh, it was still a lot of things that needed to be done here when it came to seeing talent not leave Waco, Texas. I get that perspective that a lot of people don't have. A lot of people leave, then they come back, and it's an entire new uh, community. But I had a chance to, uh, to stay and be here and see it all happen right before my very eyes. So, Fears of brain drain have been around for 30 years. Right? I guess that's always been something in Waco is right. the fear that people are going to leave and move up to Dallas or go to Austin or elsewhere. It seems like in 2022, we have much better answers to those questions of why you should stay in Waco than maybe you had in 1995. Absolutely. I think uh, transparency, uh, creating uh, education for each and every community, that there are opportunities, all those things play a factor and and young people especially making decisions on which avenue to take when they graduate either high school or finish college. Uh, it's tough when you see talent leave. You know, we, we spend all this time educating our, our young youths, and they have great ideas, especially this generation. You can see the talent that they have, and to watch that talent walk away and go somewhere else, it can be difficult at times. So we have to create ways that we can horn in on our our students and, and especially our, our, our graduates and say, hey, there's so much going on here in Waco. Uh, this is how you can be a, a part of, of, of this growth that we're experiencing. Uh, we need that. We need it. And we, we need uh, to see those young, innovative ideas that they have being put to play here in our own community. Yeah. Now that you are leading the Syntax African-American Chamber of Commerce, what tools have been put in place to help the young people in Waco recognize, hey, this is a spot where you can stay. You can build a business here. We have support for you. Well, I would say in the past, uh, and I, I believe if you, you're in that nonprofit field, you're in that uh, community economic development uh, type sector, you know that a lot of organizations and institutions kind of worked in silos. And we, we, we did whatever it took to uh, make sure that our business or our organization was uh, successful or could thrive in, the, in our community. And we really didn't pay attention to our, our visions and our missions and how they could correlate with our other partners in the ecosystem. And so when that happens, people don't see everything or the entire community and everything that a community can bring. And so the first thing that I noticed when I took office is I had to figure out where were the resources, who were the players uh, in our community, how can we connect, how can we bridge our visions and our missions together so that we will have something to offer these young people, the youth, our businesses, all the people that are part of our community. And that, you see, is one of the changes that we see in our community right now. You see a lot of us working together, partnering, collaborating, having conversations that we normally would have not had uh, in the past years. And that's what it takes. It, it, it takes, if we talk about unity and we talk about being stronger together, then that's what it, it, it takes in order to, to, to grow our community, especially the way it's moving right now. So it really is as simple as 
connecting point A with point B or Absolutely. point person A with person B. You know that at the core, we're simpatico. I know we have the same vision and the same goals, but for some reason or another, these people just haven't been talking. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it only works when we can't do everything. We only have so much capacity within our organization. Everyone has their own strengths. Everyone has their own weaknesses. Uh, everyone is good in a certain area when uh, another may not be. And so what we have to do is be able to recognize that and tell ourselves, hey, I can't do it all. I need help. And once you admit that, then you look for those, those, those partners. You look for those other uh, collaborative uh, uh, organizations that are willing to say, hey, you're, you're a lot better when it comes to this or you're a lot better when it comes to that. And then you sit down and you say, how do we do it together? How do we get people, uh, 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 people to be able to receive the resources and the, the things that we are capable of giving them that will help them achieve their goals? Uh, those things are just conversations that you have to be willing to have with everyone. Will everyone be partakes, partakers in uh, what we're doing? No. And you, you learn that. You learn that as you go, that everyone is not the same. But there are a lot of people, there are a lot of uh, organizations in our community that all want to see good things happen within all our community, not just some communities, all the communities here in Waco. So it's about that conversation. You have to be willing to have those conversations. Yeah. I might make you a bit uncomfortable with no, this you question. You'll be okay. But I, I want you to brag on yourself for a sec. Okay. What are the skill sets that you have specifically that you've been able to bring to this executive director, CEO role that the chamber really needed and is allowing you guys to reach new heights? Yeah. Well, like I said, I was a financial advisor for for many years. Um, right before I became CEO, uh, I decided to create my own uh, business, my uh, registered investment agency. And so I know the work that it takes uh, to start a, a new business or a, a venture that, that you've always dreamed of doing. And so uh, in doing that, right before I became CEO, um, I was I was vacillating back and forth whether or not to focus on my own business. This is at the end of 2018. I become president in May of uh, 2019. So when I was asked to become president, here I am saying, wow, I just finally uh, decided to start my own business and venture out and take a risk that, you know, a lot of people take. And here I've been asked to become president of an organization that I, I believed in, that I knew was necessary, uh, I knew the community needed, and how do I do that? How do I balance that out? And so uh, I decided to go ahead and, and, and try to figure that out, uh, and, it, and it worked. And not only did it work, but I could take the experience that I had, understanding business, understanding financial needs, what is necessary for uh, families and, and businesses and all those things as part of it, as part of this job here. And so I know that a lot of entrepreneurs feel like they're out there by themselves. Uh, you feel like you have to figure it all out. And that's what my message is to every small business is you're not alone. You have a place that you can go that can provide the necessary means for you to achieve that dream that you've always wanted. And that is the chamber. That is what the chamber is here for. 
we will uh, we, we work hard each and every day to, to find the necessary resources for these businesses that are that are out here wanting to have or create that American dream for themselves. And that's what it's all about. And knowing and being from that business side helps uh, with creating that, creating the necessary programming and initiatives. Everything that's possible for businesses that have been, uh, you know, looked looked past or have trying to uh, grow in undeveloped communities, uh, there's a gap that we, we, we know that is there. And so how can we bring about equity to all those businesses, those communities that are still wanting to do what everyone else do? And that's live prosperous, be able to enjoy life. And that's what it's about. And so the chamber is there. You're not by yourself. You're hearing from John Bible, CEO and executive director of the Syntex African-American Chamber of Commerce. Can you share a, a success story with us about a, a business that joined the chamber and as a result of that membership or the networking or the communication that they get from that, that they've been able to see their little plot grow? I was talking to, uh, with my staff the other day about a particular business, and most people have heard of the uh, this business. It's, it's Waffle Chick. Waffle Chick, uh, when I first became president, was uh, doing business uh, out of a, a culinary kitchen of some uh, another nonprofit. And one thing I always say is if you want to start a business, you have to be involved in community. You can start a business and you can be focused on your own revenue, the things that you want to see. But if you don't know how to give back to community or be involved in the things that are important to community, it's very limited success that you will receive. And so I seen uh, that great business owner, Waffle Check, uh, start out very little but had a dream. And she shared her dream not only with the chamber, she shared it with all the other uh, ecosystem uh, um, organizations that were uh, catered towards startups and entrepreneurs. Uh, I seen her go through uh, programming, come to events, network, did everything she could to learn uh, what it was to be a successful business. But more than that, she knew that she couldn't do it all by herself. And now, three years later, which doesn't seem that long, here she is with this beautiful, beautiful truck that she showed me uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's decked out. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. But I know the journey that she took in order to make that happen. And so that is a success story I've seen with my own eyes when you utilize the necessary resources within your community to make things happen. And that's the message we want to deliver to all small businesses. You have organizations that care to see you be successful. You have to utilize them. You have to utilize them to the point to where you can do things that you never never imagined that you could you could do and have. So that's it's real. It is truly real, and we want to to be able to have that for each and every one that has a dream out there. You can find her on Facebook, Shamika. Shamika is awesome. Shamika Evans is her last name, and she did an amazing job of activating the community through the process of, hey, guys, I'm thinking about buying a truck. Hey, guys, I bought a truck. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, I need to redo the truck. <laughs> Who wants to help? Absolutely. And when you open up your doors to the community, 
they will rush her yeah. and they want to support yeah. you, and especially when you're someone like Shamika who Absolutely. has an interesting story as a sex trafficking survivor yes. who has been here on this radio show and, and shared her story. So yeah. love Shamika and love that she was involved with you guys. The offices for the chamber are part of that old Paul Quinn College campus there off of Elm Avenue. And from my vantage point, at least, it seems like two of the really interesting development opportunities or redevelopment opportunities in all of Waco is that Elm Avenue corridor close to the river and then the the Paul Quinn campus and specifically that Decker Johnson dorm. Uh What's your vision for Elm Avenue and for that Paul Quinn campus? How could the community be best served by the redevelopment of these areas? Yeah. Well, well, we know that there's a lot of redevelopment that is going on in that M corridor. But I've always said that revitalization is great and it's good, but successful revitalization is more important. And what does successful revitalization looks like? It means that the community that has been redeveloped, that has been revitalized, have the same people involved within that community. And there's no displacement or, or or no longer can afford uh, being within the community that you grew up in. And so that's what's important to us. When everything is said and done, what does that community look like? Is it the same people? Is it the same businesses? Have those businesses been uh, helped to, uh, to, to, to develop their own, develop the businesses that they, they have that have been there for years and years, and there's a heritage, there's a culture that has been established already. Is that still there? Is it still growing? Uh, all those things is important. And so, yeah, it's, it's great. We want, we, we, we welcome redevelopment. We welcome those things. We just want the community to still look the way it should. And so, uh, uh, Quinn Campus, we know how historical Paul Quinn was. And so uh, to have things like a satellite office of, of Paul Quinn there and, and, and having a uh, center of business uh, excellence where people can come uh, and, and, and train and businesses can come and learn and be, uh, uh, learn about financial literacy and how to uh, and continue to increase the, their business opportunities and all those things that community needs. We need all of those things within that corridor. And that's what we are in conversations to have. We want to see that and we want to be a part of that. Uh, we don't want people to have to leave their community to get access to the necessary resources that is going to make them uh, or put them in a better uh, a living situation. Uh, it needs to be right there within the community. And so it's going to take uh, development in that, in that park, uh, on that Paul Quinn campus. It's going to take the right development in that corridor in order to make those things happen. We're going to have to uh, focus those things, uh, focus our attention on what's necessary and what's needed uh, for that community. We don't want to see people priced out, uh, can't afford uh, to pay taxes because development is there that has nothing to do with them. Uh, and so those things are important. A lot of people don't want to talk about that. But those are the things that can happen if we don't pay attention to it. There's, like I said, there's a lot of great things that are going on in Waco, Texas. But we want to see uh, not only the great things that happen, because there's always when you have rapid growth uh, in any place, that there's always an adverse side to things that you have to pay attention to as well. Meaning that there are some people that are are, are not uh, receiving the positivity or the benefits of a fast uh, growth and rapid growing community. And if you ignore that, then what you get 
is things that we don't like to talk about, and that's gentrification, and and that's uh, people being uh, put out of their homes because they can't afford to be uh, able to live there. And so uh, that's something that all of us as a community have to come together and have those uncomfortable conversations about because uh, they're real serious conversation. Uh, with all the good things, there are that can be bad as well, but we can offset that bad if we were willing to accept the fact that if we don't do this or we don't make sure that this happens, that those things won't won't transpire. City Center Waco has its offices on Elm Avenue, very close to the Paul Quinn campus. And it has been, at least for the last couple of years, one of their tasks to guide community conversations around the redevelopment of Elm Avenue and making sure that this is not a development for some. It's a development for all and it's accessible for all. How would you gauge the impact of City Center Waco in terms of reaching to the community? And do you think the community's voices are being heard? And if not, what better ways can we? It's hard to speak for the community overall, but from the people that have have come to me and express their their sentiments, uh, they would love to be heard more. Uh, City Center was that could be uh, that avenue in which uh, we can uh, educate people on all the development that is going. I'm not sure what the the, the total plan is. We're in the process of working on an economic development uh, plan for the city. Uh, we are involved in that, and I think we will have a clearer vision on where all of that goes down the road. But if you talk to the people now and the people that I've talked to uh, in the past, they will tell you that they would love for their voices to be heard a little bit more. Uh, because that's who's important. Uh, that's who we work for. You know, we do this before them. And if we do this for them, then we have to make sure that we our ear is to the community. I think the biggest mistake that leaders can make, and that's to feel like you're in that leadership position, that you have to be the one that come up with the ideas, come up with the solutions. That is true to a sense. But when it comes to community and what community needs, community normally tells you, exactly what they need. And if we're not listening, we can't already have something planned in our heads and then go back just to be transparent to the community, knowing that we're already going to do these things. The whole thing has to be created by the community before we even take that step in trying to to, to resolve uh, what we think they need. And that's the mistake we have to be careful about not making. Community starts with them. And if I would say right now to answer your question, I think we have to listen to them just a little bit more. If I'm someone who wants to support black businesses in Waco, support equity in Waco, but I'm not a business owner myself or I don't live close to East Waco, what are practical ways that listeners of this program can support the efforts of the Central Texas African-American Chamber? Great question. Um, when I first began uh, my tenure, I noticed that there were a lot of businesses, a lot of organizations that wasn't part of the chamber. You can understand that in some ways, uh, but now as we, after three years, have we 
how we've grown and developed so many and done so many great things and, and started so many great initiatives. Uh, we have an equity fund that we we help small business give small business grants out to uh, businesses that are going through some type of operational hardship. Uh, there's contracting roundtables and hub events and. Uh, of course, there's the Juneteenth parade that is getting ready to come up as well. Uh, there are uh, small business improvement projects that we're working on. There's a lot of things that are happening right now with the African American Chamber. And if you were asked, do we receive enough support from uh, from businesses around here? I wouldn't say we receive as much as I think we should, uh, which is which is which is is kind of disappointing because. Uh, those same businesses receive dollars from our black community. And so if to receive dollars from the community, you should have a, a fiduciary responsibility or an interest to see in that community grow. And so I would love to see more businesses, outside businesses, uh, being part of the, the, the new programs, the initiatives that we are doing. And that's just speaking from the heart. You know, I mean, if we're going to make this thing work, then we're going to want to see it work for each and every community. It's disappointing uh, when we don't have that participation from all our corporations and our other businesses that have those resources that we can utilize and that we can make a difference in the lives of community and individuals. So uh, there are plenty of things that you can go on the so uh, you can go on our Facebook pages, you can go on our website, you can see all the things you do. You can come talk to me, and you can learn so much about what we do. And and I think you'll be absolutely surprised. And I can't see you not being willing to to, to be part of it. The Juneteenth weekend extravaganza that happens every year this year on June 18th. It's one of the best things that happens in Waco every year. So super fun vendors, car show, parade, all that jazz. John Bible is the CEO and executive director of the Central Texas African-American Chamber of Commerce. Thank you so much for stopping by Downtown Depot, John. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to John, Braden Brazil, and Ethan Truman of the Silent House Theater Company, and you for tuning in to episode 127 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can find me in between episodes on Facebook and Instagram at Waco Business News. And join me the first Friday of June for another conversation with an inspiring small business owner, civic leader, or engaged citizen sparking Waco's revitalization. I'm Austin Meek, and you've been listening to Downtown Depot where we track the ins and outs of Waco business.